Good morning, folks. It's Monday, May the 25th, and you're tuned to another exciting episode of Waking Up with Danny. Today's Memorial Day, a federal holiday in the United States for remembering the people who died while serving in the country's armed forces. The holiday, which is observed every year on the Monday of May, originated as Decoration Day after the American Civil War in 1868, when the Grand Army of the Republic, an organization of Union veterans, established it at the time for the nation to decorate the graves of the dead with flowers. Well, by the 20th century, competing Union and Confederate holiday traditions celebrated on different days has merged, and Memorial Day eventually extended to honor all Americans who died while in the military service. Typically marks the start of the summer vacation season, while Labor Day marks its end. The practice of decorating soldiers' graves with flowers is an ancient custom. Soldiers' graves were decorated in the U.S. before and during the American Civil War. A claim was made in 1906 that the first Civil War soldier's grave ever decorated was in Warrenton, Virginia on June 3, 1861, implying that the first Memorial Day occurred there. Well, today is also Geek Nerd Pride Day. Today is National Brown Baggot Day. National Missing Children's Day, National Tap Dance Day, National Wine Day, and today is also Towel Day. Who knew? Thanks for joining me on this special May the 25th. It's Waking Up With Danny. Let's go! Squad safely destroyed a pressure cooker found in a suspicious vehicle left unattended Sunday afternoon on the National Mall near the U.S. Capitol building, and the vehicle's owner was located and arrested, U.S. Capitol Police spokesperson said. Lieutenant Kimberly Schneider told the Associated Press that Capitol Police officers on routine spotted the parked and occupied vehicle on a street in the mall west of the Capitol around 5 p.m. on Sunday. Further investigation revealed a pressure cooker and an odor of gasoline was detected, Schneider said, adding a Capitol Police bomb squad called in because the vehicle was deemed, quote, suspicious in nature, end quote. Well, an Australian man reportedly raped and degraded a terrified Dutch tourist during a six-week ordeal, including carving a cross into her forehead, was sentenced to 17 years in jail on Monday. Alfio Anthony Granada, 47, pleaded guilty to the 14 charges, included multiple rapes, threats to kill, and intentionally causing serious injury over a six-week period in 2012. Victorian County Court Judge Frank Gucciardo said Granada's behavior was, quote, vile and repulsive, and had dehumanized his 21-year-old victim. What a sicko. Glad he's off the street. And John Nash and his wife, a beautiful mind inspiration, they die in New Jersey. John Forbes Nash, a mathematician genius who struggled with schizophrenia, was chronicled in 2001's A Beautiful Mind Has Died Along With His Wife. In a car crash on the New Jersey Turnpike, he was 86 years old. Nash and Alicia Nash, 82 of Princeton Township, were killed in a taxi crash Saturday, state police said. A colleague who had received an award with Nash in Norway earlier in the week said they had just flown home and the couple had taken a cab from the airport. It's fourth and go on the one-yard line. The quarterback takes a snap from the center. 
on Sunday night to win NASCAR's longest race, the Coca-Cola 600. Edwards snapped a 31-race winless skid for his first victory since joining Joe Gibbs Racing. He took the lead when he stayed out, and the leaders pitted with 20 laps to go for his first win ever at the Charlotte Motor Speedway. Dale Earnhardt Jr. finished third, Matt Kenseth was fourth, and Martin Truex Jr. was fifth. Kevin Harvick and Jimmy Johnson had combined to win the last seven cup races on a mile-and-a-half tracks. Johnson was denied a record tying fifth win at the Cocoa 600 and his fourth victory of the season when he crashed on lap 282. Harvick finished in ninth place. It's time for the weather. system dropped. Record amounts of rainfall across the southern plains Sunday, causing flash floods and normally dry riverbeds, spawning tornadoes, destroying homes, and forcing at least 2,000 people to flee. Two people were confirmed dead in Oklahoma, where a fighter fighter was swept to his death while trying to rescue people from high water, and a woman in Tulsa died in a traffic-related crash. In Texas, a man's body was recovered from a flooded area along the Blanco River, which rose 26 feet in just one hour and left piles of wreckage 20 feet high. Authorities said. Well, let's take a look at the current conditions on your Memorial Day. We got 53 and partly cloudy in San Francisco, 53 and partly cloudy also in Seattle, Washington. Boise, sunshine and 55. Los Angeles, sunshine, 57. Albuquerque is sunny at 50. Denver, Colorado is partly cloudy at 47. Billings, rain at 51. Omaha, thunderstorms at 64, 58, and rain in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Chicago is rain in 69. 71 and partly cloudy in St. Louis. Thunderstorms in Dallas, 68. San Antonio, Texas, 76 and thunderstorms. Nowlands is 80, partly cloudy with thunderstorms. In Atlanta, Georgia, 70 degrees with thunderstorms. Down in Orlando, Florida is thunderstorms at 80 degrees in Miami, Florida is partly cloudy at 84. Washington, D.C., the nation's capital, is partly cloudy with a 75 degrees. And New York City, New York is partly cloudy with 71. Stop the traffic, see what's going on. Stop the traffic, I'm waking up. Well, we got people out there commuting for the holiday season, so, you know, there's probably going to be a little bit of traffic on those interstates going into and out of the city areas. Be careful out there. Rural areas are clear as usual. If you have to drive today, do it safely. Watch out for those roadblocks if you're drinking and driving or riding dirty. Just be careful out there. What would Danny do? Just ask yourself that. You'll be fine. The stock market. The Dow.
dollar hit a two-month high against the yen and is holding firm against other groups. Ten currencies on Monday. After Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen suggested late last week the central bank will raise interest rates in 2015. The greenbacks move higher against G10 currencies was further spotted by Friday's upbeat U.S. inflation data that showed core consumer prices rose by 0.3% in April. U.S. markets and most of Europe on holiday today. The thinned trading conditions will have most investors looking ahead to tomorrow's forward-looking U.S. durables data. Friday's release of second estimate of U.S. gross domestic product as key fundamental touch points for the dollar's direction. Obviously, any news on Greece or of a potential Grexit will have an immediate impact on the EUR, similar to what happened in the overnight session in Asia. Today in history, a lot of things have happened. Maybe a man flew to the moon. Maybe a baby was saved by a man. History, May the 25th, 2015, on this date. In 1986, hands across America, six million people hold hands from California to New York. In 1962, the UF Union's AFL-CIO starts a campaign for the 35-hour work week. In 1961, John F. Kennedy set a goal for putting a man on the moon before the end of the decade. In 1945, author C. Clark proposes relay satellites in geosynchronous orbit. And in 1935, Jesse Owens equals or breaks six world records in one hour. Births and deaths. People were born and died today. We're going to talk about it. Waking up with Danny. Talking about life and death. Well, in 1969, Anne Hesch was born. In 1963, Mike Myers was also born. In 1939, Ian McKellen was born. In 1927, Robert Ludlum was also born. And in 1803, Ralph Waldo Emerson also was born and changed the world. But people also met the Doom Man. In 1996, Renzo De Felice, a historian, died at 67. 1992, Nancy Walker, an actress, Ida Morkinson in Rhonda, dies of cancer at 71. In 1990, Vic Tabak, an actor from Mel Alice, dies of a heart attack at 60. Robert Nathan, a U.S. writer and poet, Portrait of Jenny, dies at 91 in 1985. And in 1971, Mark Brunswick, a composer, Died at 79. 1937, Harry O'Tanner died. He was an artist. And in 1917, Leon Felix Augustin Joseph Vassieu, a composer, dies at 72. And in the year 615, Boniface IV, the Pope, from 608 to 15, dies. And in 709, Aldhemius of Eldkelm, an English abbot, bishop, poet, and a saint, dies at around 69 years old. We don't know for sure. And in 1946, Edmund, the older King of Wessex, England, from 939 to 946, dies. And in the year 1085, the Pope Gregory VII also died. The whole problem with the world is that the fools and fanatics are always so certain of themselves, but wiser people so full of doubts. Bertrand Russell said this. And the word... 
word of the day, politess. It's a noun which means the formal politeness or courtesy. Some etymology from the old French politesse, cleanliness, polished state. From Italian politezza, which means polish or smoothness. And from Latin polire, which means to polish. Ultimately from the Indo-European root pel, which means to skin or hide. Which also gives us pelt, pillion, and film. The earliest documented use was in 1683 in some usage. How did the loud, fast-talking James Haskell fit in amid the politesse of Japanese culture? With its bowing and eye-lowering? Jonathan McEvery said this. James Haskell, written off as a loudmouth, traveled the globe to transform his game. Mail on Sunday in the London, UK, March 1st, 2015. And a bonus thought for the day. Every great institution is the lengthened shadow of a single man. His character determines the character of the organization. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, and he was born on this day, May 25th, 1803, died in 1882. And you know you gotta learn something today to make your life better. The more you know, the more you know. You'll make your life better. the United States has 88.8 guns for every 100 people, more than any other nation on Earth. That's more than Yemen, who has 54.8 guns per 100 people, number two on the list, a desperately poor and dangerous country undergoing a civil war, more than Serbia, number five, where armed militias terrorize civilians for a decade, and more than our northern neighbors Canada, which only has 30.8 firearms per 100 people despite our similar cultures. Our rate of gun-related murders is also the highest in the developed world. Coincidence? Every day is born a new hero. He faces adversary with a mighty sword. Waking up, 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 
Morning. It is not yet seven o'clock, but Makar Kuzmich Blyotskin's shop is already open. The barber himself, an unwashed, greasy, but foppishly dressed youth of three and twenty, is busy cleaning up. There is really nothing to be cleared away, but he is perspiring with his exertions. In one place he polishes with a rag, in another he scrapes with his finger, or catches a bug, and brushes it off the wall. The barber's shop is small, narrow, and unclean. The log walls are hung with papers suggested of a cabman's faded shirt. Between the two dingy, perspiring windows, there is a thin, creaking, rickety door above it. Green from the damp, a bell which trembles and gives a sickly ring of itself without provocation. Glance into the looking glass which hangs in one of the walls and it distorts your countenance in all directions in the most merciless way. The shaving and haircutting is done before this looking glass. On the little table, as greasy and unwashed as Markar Kuzmich himself, there is everything, combs, scissors, razors, a haporth of wax for the mustache, a haporth of powder, a haporth of much-watered eau de cologne, and indeed the whole barber's shop is not worth more than 15 kopecks. There is a squeaking sound from the invalid bell and an elderly man in a tan sheepskin and high felt overboots walks into the shop. His head and neck are wrapped in a woman's shawl. This is Erast Evanich Yagodov, Makar Kuzmich's godfather. At one time he served as a watchman in the consistory. Now he lives near the red pond and works as a locksmith. Makarushka, good day, dear boy, he says to Makar Kuzmich who is absorbed in tidying up. They kiss each other. Yagodov drags his shawl off his head, crosses himself, and sits down. What a long way it is, he says, sighing and clearing his throat. <clears throat> it's no joke, from the Red Pond to the Kaluga Gate. How are you? In a poor way, my boy. I've had a fever. You don't say so. Fever! Yes. I've been in bed a month. I thought I should die. I had extreme unction. Now my hair's coming out. The doctor says I must be shaved. He says the hair will go strong again. And so I thought, I'll go to Makar. Better to a relation than anyone else. He will do it better and he won't take anything for it. It's rather far, that's sure. But what of it? It's a walk. I'll do it with pleasure. Please, sit down. With a scrape of his foot, Mazar Kuzmich indicates a chair. Yagodov sits down and looks himself in the glass and is apparently pleased with his reflection. The looking glass displays as a face awry with calf-mock lips, a broad, blunt nose, and eyes in the forehead. Makar Kuzmich puts himself round his client's shoulders, a white sheet with yellow spots on it, and begins snipping with the scissors. I'll shave you clean to the skin, he says. To be sure, so that I may look like a tartar, like a bomb. The hair will grow all the thicker. How's Auntie? Pretty middling. The other day she went as a midwife to the Major's Lady. They gave her a ruble. 
Oh, indeed. A ruble. Hold your ear. I'm holding it. Mind you, don't cut me. Ah, oh, you hurt. You're pulling my hair. That doesn't matter. We can't help it in our work. And how is Anna Estrovna? My daughter? She's all right. She's skipping about. Last week on the Wednesday, we betrothed her to Shikin. Why didn't you come? The scissors cease snipping. Makar Kuzmich drops his hands and asks in a fright. Who is betrothed? Anna. How's that? To whom? To Shaikin, Prokofi Petrovich, his aunt's a housekeeper in Zlatoskinsky Lane. She is a nice woman. Naturally, we are delighted. Thank God. The wedding will be in a week. Mind you will come. We will have a good time. But how's this, Erast Ivanich? says Makar Kuzmich, pale, astonished, and shrugged his shoulders. It's... it's utterly impossible. Why, Anna Arastovna? Why, I... Well, I cherished sentiments for her. I had intentions. How could it happen? Why, we just went and betrothed her. He's a good fellow. Cold drops of perspiration come on the face of Makar Kuzmich. He puts the scissors down on the table and begins rubbing his nose with his fist. I had intentions, he says. It's impossible. Erast Evnich, I, I am in love with her and have made her the offer of my heart. And Auntie promised. I have always respected you as though you were my father. I have always cut your hair for nothing. I have always obliged you. When my papa died, you took the sofa and ten rubles in cash, and I have never given them back. Do you remember? Remember? Of course I do. Only, what sort of match would you be, Makar? You are nothing of a match. You've neither money nor position. Your trade's a paltry one. And Shaikin? Is he rich? Shaikin is a member of a union. He has a thousand and a half lent on mortgage, so my boy. It's no good talking about it. The thing's done. There is no altering it. Makarushka, you must look out for another bride. The world is not so small. Come, cut away. Why are you stopping? Makar Kosmich is silent, remains motionless. Then he gives a handkerchief out of his pocket and begins to cry. Come, what is it? Erast Evanich comforts him. Give over, Fi. He is blubbering like a woman. You finish my head and then cry. Take up the scissors. Makar Kuzmich takes up the scissors, stares vacantly at them for a minute, then drops them again on the table. His hands are shaking. I can't, he says. I can't do it just now. I haven't the strength. I'm a miserable man, and she is miserable. We loved each other. We had given each other our promise, and we had been separated by unkind people without any pity. Go away, Aristevnich. I can't bear the sight of you. So I'll come tomorrow, Makarushka. You will finish me tomorrow. Right. You calm yourself, and I will come to you early in the morning. Aristevnich has half his head shaven to the skin and looks like a convict. It is awkward to be left with a head like that, but there is no help for it. He wraps his head in the shawl and walks out of the barber shop. Left alone, Makar Kuzmich sits down and goes on quietly weeping. Early next morning, Erastevnich comes again. What do you want? Makar Kuzmich asks him coldly. Finish cutting my hair, Makarushka. There is half of the head left to do. Kindly give me the money in advance. I won't cut it for nothing. Without saying a word, Eris Evanich goes out, and to this day his hair is long on one side of the head and short on the other. 
He regards it as an extravagance to pay for having his hair cut and is waiting for the hair to grow of itself on the shaven side. He danced at the wedding in that condition. That was At the Barbers by Anton Chekhov. Another delightful short story. Having a lot of fun doing his stories for the next few weeks. And then that's going to do it for this episode of Waking Up with Danny. I thank you for joining me today on your holiday, and I will see you next week.